Welcome to Talking Biotech, the podcast dedicated to exploring the latest advancements in biotechnology, sponsored by Calabra, the R&D software that accelerates scientific discovery with AI. Each week, we'll dive into the latest innovations and discoveries with industry leaders and pioneers. Now, here's your host, Dr. Kevin Fulta. Welcome to the Talking Biotech Podcast. It's a weekly podcast about agriculture and medicine with an emphasis on biotechnology and the good things it can do for people and the planet. My name is Kevin Fulton. Today we're going with a frequent listener request. Over, I don't know, the last three years or however long this has been, we've had requests about how do you become a plant breeder? How do you become the next generation of plant inventor? And we had a little bit of this back in maybe the very beginning, maybe episode eight or nine, when we interviewed Phil Stewart from uh, Driscoll's. We talked about strawberry breeding and how that's done. But it's a little bit rapidly moving discipline. And with that in mind, it makes sense to update what's happening now and what's the state of the market, uh, what uh, job market that is. What do uh, students in training need to know and what need to do in order to participate in these opportunities, both in industry and in academia? So I'm joined today with two plant breeders, and actually my two of my most excellent hires back when I was a department chair. Um, We're here with Marcio Resende and Patricio Munoz. Dr. Resende, uh, why don't don't you talk about what you do? Uh, Good afternoon, Kevin. Thanks thanks for the opportunity. Um, I'm a corn breeder here at the University of Florida. And in Southeast U.S., uh, sweet corn is the type of corn that has the highest demand. So here at UF, I'm a sweet corn breeder, especially for fresh market sweet corn. Okay, and so most people don't associate Florida with sweet corn. So what is going on there? Sweet corn, uh, Florida is one of the uh, largest sweet corn producers for the fresh market. Uh, It was, a few years ago, it was the largest so there is uh, mainly due to um, the warm winters, there is an opportunity to produce sweet corn at a time when up north uh, everything is cold. And huh. That's the market advantage. And so what does a breeder in sweet corn prioritize? What's, what, what are you looking for in generating the next elite lines? Just like pretty much every other crop, yield is, uh, is one of the main traits uh, for us. But... The, the advantage of having warm summers and warm winters has also a disadvantage, which is a huge insect and disease pressure. So a lot of our breeding efforts also focus on insect resistance and disease resistance. Uh, in sweet corn, it's a consumer-oriented product, so flavor is also important. Uh, so these are some of the traits that we're looking for. Okay, very cool. Uh, Dr. Munoz, tell us about what you do in the world of breeding. Okay, so... Um, Plant breeding. I've been working in plant breeding since 2004 uh, in different crops. I did some work in pine trees, you know, eucalyptus, and um, most recently in forages, different forage species. And right now we are working, I'm working in, in blueberries, uh, southern high bush specifically. So this is a type of blueberry that couldn't be grown in the southeast U.S. in the past. But due to the work of, um, of thanks to the work of our uh, previous breeders in the university, 
you know that they combine uh, the northern high bush or the ones that most people see in the north of the country with the native species of the south. They created this hybrid that now we call um, southern high bush, which has helped significantly increase the productivity um, and the area produced in the southeast and also um, in many places of the globe. Um, the traits that we work with um, are kind of similar to what Marcio was uh, referring to, but uh, in our case, I think the timing of production is a key component. So uh, F Florida is the first out of the whole country in producing uh, blueberries. And due to that, and you know, the low um, offer of blueberries, you know, the prices are higher. And uh, so is a very important target for the breeding program to have um, new cultures that produce exactly in that window. Well, that, that sounds really good. So you have the issue of um, trying to come up with traits that are not only consumer traits, but also good production traits that maximize a grower's ability to make money. And that, that's the whole idea of the breeding process. And, you know, you kind of see breeding ebb and flow through the years in terms of an emphasis of a uh, horticultural science department or a plant science department. And what's the what's happening right now? Whether it's here at University of Florida or nationwide, is there a newfound emphasis and priority on universities participating in plant breeding? I like, would say that there is a, a revitalization, probably, of of the emphasis of plant breeding and the use of of new tools in that respect and the training mainly because. Um, in, in, in one point in the past, you know, the, a lot of people switched to work maybe more in molecular, forgetting, you know, the final product from the point of view of, of plant breeding. Uh, and just to clarify, you know, mole the molecular uh, work that we do in plant breeding is one more component, is one more tool toward getting to the goal of developing new cultivars, but it's not the only tool. So in that respect, you know, there has been more emphasis in... Uh, developing or, or training uh, the new next generation of plant breeders that they have all these uh, different components or different skills all the way from you know from um, knowing the crop that you are working with of course and the horticultural part or agricultural part or forestry you know part uh, all the way to um, so identify very well the traits on the field, but as, at the same time, you know, they work with molecular information, with um, genomic information, with quantity genetics. So uh, basically train plant breeders uh, in, a, in a way that they understand or at least are able to communicate with the experts in all these different disciplines. And that's a no easy, it's not an easy task. Well, what about industry? I mean, is the outlook in industry looking pretty good in terms of how they're hiring people into the task of plant genetic improvement? Yes, the, the National Association of Plant Breeders uh, released uh, a few years ago a statement um, basically making the point that there is a continuous demand for training plant breeders, both in academia and in the private sector. Uh, we recently carried a survey here in all the students that were formally trained in plant breeding at University of Florida. And out of the ones that responded, 93% of them went on to pursue a career in plant breeding and are currently employed either in academia or in government agencies or in the private sector. Uh, I think the general picture is that there is uh, an increased demand. 
That being said, uh, the main seed companies, as they consolidate, uh, it always creates a fear of what's that going to do to uh, because it creates redundancy. Uh, but I, I, plant breeding is a field that uh, will will continue will be here, and especially with all these pressures for climate change and for feeding the world, um, I think there is a clear uh, demand for for it. Well, how do you feel about this? I, I personally, my, my guess is, is that with all the new gene editing tools that are coming and all of the rapid uh, tweaking that we will be able to do in the near future, is there going, you can never, well, I shouldn't say never, but it's difficult to gene edit a minor crop into a productive, useful industry commercial crop. But maybe with gene editing, we can accelerate this a bit and that things that we look at on that are kind of maybe fringe or minor crops could be uh, really important uh, um, products or commercialized products in the future. But that isn't something you can do with gene editing alone. So are there opportunities perhaps to look at traditional breeding first in order to get these things close enough to where they could be maybe an editor two away from being realistic? I think so, and I think in a way that's where uh, the universities will play a major role because a lot of these crops that perhaps, uh, or, or species that haven't reached its full potential yet, uh, there may not be as much investment in the private industry for it. Uh, but when we look at the University of Florida, for example, uh, we have on campus in the different departments here over 30 different breeders that have historically worked in over 50 different species. Now, many of these are not bred, are not explored in the industry, and now gene editing can have a uh, potential to bring these to a, a level of much bigger value, if you will. So. What people don't realize is that when they talk about breeding, in the last couple of weeks I've met tree breeders. You know, Patricio used to be a forage breeder. Um, I met a guy who breeds algae. You know, and, and so when you're talking about this, you're really just looking at ways of genetic improvement of a baseline organism so that then it can be used directly in commercial use or other use, I guess, but um, then is amenable to these other types of techniques like gene editing, things like that. So breeding is a really broad discipline. What would you advise if you were um, a student, for instance, starting in college, maybe had an interest in plants and plant biology, um, is breeding a lucrative place to be? And is that a good place to be maybe thinking about a career? So I will complement a little bit what Marcio uh, was mentioning before. Um, I believe that plant breeding, and this also for students, you know, is the most sustainable way to attack or to uh, react or be proactive to any potential problem that we might have in agriculture in general. Uh, for example, diseases pests, you know, uh, better flavors or, or better aromas or any any challenge that we might have, you know, the best way to to deal with this challenge or to to react to this challenge is plant breeding. It's developing a cultivar that can deal with that challenge so the producers don't need to spray as much, you know. They don't need to make, um, you know, difficult post-harvesting processes, for example, to 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 conserve or to improve the flavor of some of the of the of the produce or fruit vegetables or grains or whatever we are working with um, 
So I really believe this is the most sustainable way to, to move forward yeah, in agriculture. And, and in that respect, you know, I believe that all these different techniques, and among them, you know, um, gene editing, they are all complementary. You know, we need to work with all of them. I mean, we as plant breeders and here working in the university, for example, we are working in all of them simultaneously. So, but the most important thing is that the plant breeding strategy is what it drives the, what it drives the program. All of the other, uh, you know, tools are, are those, are, are just tools that we use to move forward. So the strategy and the target, the breeding targets are the ones that actually drive how do we move forward. That's a really good point, because I think that there's been so much emphasis in the toolbox over the years, myself included, that you really lose track of the really exciting applications of using those tools. And I think that's been a really substantial downfall over the last couple decades that we're finally starting to see that worm turn. And so, you know, what, what would you recommend for a student who is considering a degree in plant breeding, um, either heading towards industry or academic government breeding, what do they need to know out of an undergraduate curriculum? I think, like you mentioned, as you mentioned, um, plant breeding is incredibly broad, and it involves a tool set that ranges from traditional farming and agriculture, uh, molecular lab techniques, computational biology, and statistics, uh, and others as well, and knowledge on, on and, and knowledge in other fields uh, of plant pathology, entomology, and so on. It's it's incredibly rewarding to combine all these tools and to put into developing a cultivar. But what I would recommend students is, uh, first of all, you need to, in in my view at least, the the, the plant breeding requires spending time in the field. So you need to enjoy going to the field, observing plants. But nowadays, it's a lot more than that. It started as the art of plant breeding, where you would observe plants and have the ability to see them. Uh, I think nowadays, there is a lot of soft skills and leadership skills that are required to deal with all the other disciplines, where a lot of times you're not going to be the expert on it, but you need the support of a plant pathologist. You need to have maybe a, a molecular breeding program with a, a lab. Um, I think these are, uh, and that's true for many other disciplines as well, but I think that's certainly the case for plant breeding. That's a really good point. And what, what's really, because you're really part of a team, more cases, more a team of experts that each lends their way into this. And even though, you know, any one of us could, and not me, but you guys, <laughs> could have, um, you know, a, six of the ten boxes checked really strong, you still need the input from other folks to make it flow. Exactly. And so is, is so. what are the best things for a student to really focus on? Or is there a best thing? So, if I give, if I have to give advice to, you know, to people or students, you know, thinking about going into plant breeding, I will say the knowledge of the crop that you are planning to work with, or, or knowledge in, in agri- agriculture or horticulture, is essential. So the better you know the crop that you are working with, the better you can impact by targeting the traits that are going to make maybe a, a small difference in your genetic gains, but could generate a big impact in the producer's uh, pocket or the final consumer, you know, uh, liking of, of the crop that you're working with. So in order to do that, I would recommend, you know, do internships with, the, with, with industry. 
or come to the university to work in the different uh, breeding programs, learn about the crop that you are working with as much as you can, learn about the, the market, learn about, you know, the, the, uh, the management, you know, the culture management practices, um, learn about the, the pricing, the economic about that, that crop. Um, at the end of the day, we work for different, you know, um, different clients here. So we work for the client that could be, you know, the grower, uh, you work also for the client that in some cases could be the seed company, not for, for our case in Blueberry, uh, but it could be the nursery. And also we work for, for the final consumer. In, in our case, whenever we, you work with fruit, which is the, the people out there, you know, they buy the, the fruit in the supermarket. So somehow you need to learn about all this process and, and, and all the aspects of this process so you can start targeting the areas where you can make the most out of it, and go also in quantitative. You know, uh, you learn learn mathematics, learn statistics. That's going to help you a lot. I, I definitely agree. I, I don't think there is one individual field that's the only one that's needed. You need to know genetics. Uh, you need to know experimental design and statistics. Uh, nowadays, there is a, a an increased interest in prediction algorithms, in machine learning, in use of computer vision to help the breeding program to accelerate your decision. So you may not be become a computer science expert, but you definitely need to be aware of what it is and how it behaves and what are the advantages and disadvantages. And so, Okay, so you gave me good examples of the kinds of classes and ideas that you may, disciplines you may need, but what kind of degree? Can you really get a degree or get a job in this field without a college education or maybe with a master's degree or, you know, how does it vary between the different levels? So, um, you know, one of uh, the, the mentors I had during all my career, you know, once told me, you know, plant breeders might not be the best paid um, you know, professionals, but they are the happiest. And, and I don't think that's true anymore, actually. You know, there is a lot of, with, with the increased demand by plant breeders and plant breeders that understand all these different, uh, that have all these different skills or understand all these different disciplines that are able to communicate, you know, well in all these different disciplines. Like Marcio said, you don't need to be an expert. You just need to be able to communicate and understand uh, what the experts are doing in your team of collaborators. I believe that, you know, uh, just with a master's degree, you can get a very good job nowadays. Now, if you want to, you know, you can get probably even better with a PhD, but I believe that uh, you at least need a master because you need to be, you need to have some formal training in plant breeding. And for that, you need to gain more experience, you know, in experimental design, like we were repeating before, you know, uh, in in the crop itself, or, you know, it could be agro agriculture, could be horticulture, could be forestry, you kind of, the major ones, uh, if you want to classify them somehow. And you need to, you need to gain experience, you know, in the, in molecular genomics, you know, and then to be able to communicate with all these people. So nowadays, um, and even when it worked very well in the past, you know, just traditional plant breeding or, or field breeding, um, it's not enough to to be probably hired by by industry like that. Yeah, and so what what does the outlook look like from industry? I know when I talked to Rob Fraley a few years ago, he said, "Why don't you make more plant breeders?" And it seems like there's quite a demand there. 
But uh, what do you think? Well, they, was I mean, we, we, we see, I mean, and this is something that uh, I track because we are, we are in academia and then we are always, you know, uh, feeding new announcements of, of positions to our students and, and, and postdocs and basically our network. We have a very strong network of plant breeders here at the university and we see a lot of announcements all the time, not only from industry, but also from, from academia. And, you know, like we were discussing before, there is not only major crops anymore, but also, you know, minor crops, you know, emerging crops, potential crops of that people is exploring and realizing, you know, there is a, for example, let's say there is a new component in this new crop that people wants to, to, is very, is, is understood already that's very beneficial. Okay, now can we improve it? What tools do we use? How can we do it? You know, so you need a breather right there. And you need somebody, you know, that's been trained, uh, that uh, it might have been trained originally in in a different crop, but understand all the basics, so it's able to jump to a different crop without any problem. Mm-hmm. And, and are, so you mentioned early, you mentioned earlier uh, mathematics and statistics. So are those kind of the core disciplines that you can use when translating, or I should say, when moving from one crop to another? I would think so. In, uh, integrated statistics with genetics and. and Quantitative genetics, for example, is one of the fields that does that, which is brings from uh, a knowledge on genetics and uh, concepts of statistics and mathematics. There are others as well, but uh, these are core concepts that are clearly translated from crop to crop. Uh, An example from that is that uh, we see, you know, people being trained in quantitative genetics in animal science, working now in plant breeding, or the other way around. And it's, those are there is many many examples in, in in that discipline, but genomics, you know, understanding of genomics, understanding how we can use molecular markers to do plant improvement, understand how can we use molecular biology or or gene editing these new techniques um, into plant breeding. So those are disciplines. I mean, no matter what crop you are working with, you can translate them and and you can use them in, in other crops as well. But I think essentially, again, the most probably the most important is understanding plant breeding, the basic, you know, what are we trying to do and what are the different plant breeding strategies or methodologies or, or you know, that you can use to move forward a breeding program, maintaining diversity and at the same time, you know, making uh, progress, genetic gain. Yeah, but the big problem and, is obvious is that not too many universities have plant breeding programs. Yeah, so, so my advice I have there is... To gain a lot of these experiences, the, the best thing I would think would be to do a, a postgraduate degree in the lab or in the program of a plant breeder that is actually exploring all of these different uh, tools. And we have we see many examples of uh, students that did a PhD in plant molecular and cellular biology and went on to become plant breeders, uh, genetics and genomics programs, and they actually went on to become plant breeders. But I agree with you. I think the more the dynamic this field gets and the more we add new disciplines and new tools to the toolbox, I think the more important it becomes to have a formal training, a PhD or a master's degree in plant breeding, where you learn the core of the, the plant breeding theory and all the additional disciplines that are needed to support it. So the audience that follows this, most folks are interested in one way or another in biotechnology. And so what are the ways that biotechnology really accelerates plant bio, or plant breeding the most? 
I don't know if we can we can classify genomics within um, biotechnology. Sure. Um, but in that respect, you know, there has been a lot of emphasis, and maybe too much lately, uh, in the use of genomics in plant breeding. Uh, with uh, this technique that's called genomic selection, that in reality should be genomic prediction. Um, so the, basically we use molecular information or molecular markers, you know, just to select plants based on the performance. So we, we use these markers to predict the performance of, of, of plants that we haven't um, observed their phenotype or how they express their traits already in the, uh, uh, yet in the field. Um, so that's one of the ways, uh, and probably the second one that's been a lot of emphasis lately is, is gene editing, of course. Um, now, for these are they are not exclusive, uh, or ex, how do you say? Um, they are not excluding each other. I mean, you cannot exclude uh, one from the other, so you can use it complementary. Um, I would say from a plant breeding point of view, I would like to use any tools to move forward. You know that are that are accepted, of course, by um, by your final consumers that they need to get used. I mean, if they are not getting used, I mean, we're not going to be working. We work to develop cultivars, and we work to develop cultivars that are going to get used. And if they are not going to get used, if they're going to end up in the shelf, that's no good use of our time and the resources of our, uh, you know, taxpayers. Um, so in that respect, we want to use any tool that we can do, that we can have or we can put our hands on to to create new cultivars, and we're going to do it in a way that the some tools are going to apply better for some traits and some species, and some tools are going to apply better for other traits or other species. Yeah, the, the way I see, at the same time, I, I, I perceive biotechnology as having a key role in the development of new cultivars. I don't think it's the panacea of breeding; it's just another tool. And it goes back to understanding the core of breeding that in some cases it will indeed have a very important impact. If you think about traits that are uh, accelerating domestication or traits that are controlled by uh, uh, fewer genes, uh, you can actually introduce these traits to elite varieties very fast with gene editing, for example. Um, and in other cases, it's really more the case of using other toolboxes and, and complementing them. Uh, there is a phenomics nowadays is, a, is another uh, buzzword that, that has incredible potential uh, to accelerate genetic gains. And, and yet there's just one more tool that we just need to be aware and be able to decide when and how to use the best, the best tools. So phenomics is really just this uh, capturing of massive amounts of data using um, maybe visualization tools, machine learning, machine vision, that kind of thing? Exactly. I mean, we, we, we usually say that breeders, breeding is a numbers game because you are searching for uh, a recombination of the traits to create the best plant. Uh, and in order to be able to, uh, to screen the, the, the largest number of plants possible with a, always a, a capped, a fixed amount of budget, uh, Phenomics allows you to just be able to evaluate a much bigger number of plants uh, or a larger number of traits that otherwise you would need uh, several employees in the field or several students in the fields evaluating. Yeah, I guess I've always heard a lot of these concepts referred to as if you're looking for a needle in the haystack, it's really nice to have a smaller haystack. And by looking for 
um, you know, using genomic prediction, which I love that concept. It's much better than genomic selection. By looking at a smaller universe of potential individuals that are likely to carry the majority of the desired traits, rather than having to plant, you know, 100 acres of citrus trees to find the one that's good, you can look at the, um, you know, 30,000 plants on a, a growing in flats in a, in a, in a greenhouse and get a very good, uh, very good sense as to one that may carry very useful traits. So, again, when we use genomic, I mean, you have to be thinking about the breeding program. It's going to have different stages, and genomic uh, selection or, or either, even gene editing, you know, is going to get used in one of these stages, but still these plants need to go to the field. They need to be tested. I mean, whenever you do, for example, gene editing, let's say you're ed- editing for one single trait, we, as breeders, we select for a dozen of traits, and then that means that that plant still needs to go to the field. If you are selecting, you know, for example, for a better flavor in one, in one piece of fruit, you still need to put that plant in the field to see that, you know, it, can, it, it, it works well under the management system that the growers are using that actually has the disease resistant and the pest resistance. Um, so obviously some people will say you need, to, you need to do gene editing already in, in a given cultivar that's just lacking one single trait. Um, it still needs to be tested. In the field, you know, it needs to be shown to the to the producers and the, to to the consumer that this is uh, this salsa is gonna be is gonna be a new cultivar, the same as the other. That's gonna be is gonna do good for either of these final clients that we have. So the University of Florida is unique because we have so many breeders working on such diverse products, and we tend to be a uh, kind of a, a location for a lot of people interested in these disciplines. And so what's happening here at the university to advance our ability to train the next generation of plant breeders? Yeah, so the the different breeders have um, been training students in plant breeding for quite some time already. And and the internal community here, breeders, were quite uh, close to each other and we worked to each other. But uh, a few years ago, the breeders realized that there was an opportunity to go beyond just the in turn, the, the local training in their own lab then actually establish um, a PhD program, a formal degree with a variety of classes and with a formal training in plant breeding. So we're currently uh, working on, on establishing this degree, uh, to working together with the universities and the different departments involved. And we hope to be able to, to uh, have this degree available and, and offer this, this, uh, this degree very good. So, Marcio Resende and Patricio Munoz, um, thank you for your time today. If people wanted to follow more about you or your program online, where would they look? If people want to know more about the research that we are doing on, on, on what we are interested in, of the new cultures that we are developing, uh, for us, it's, it's easy to follow us. So, it's uh, www.blueberrybreeding.com. I think that's wrong. That's in Spanish, bro. <laughs> uh, that's all right. You're good. Um, uh, again, so it's blueberrybreeding.com um, and also uh, in Twitter at bberrybreeding. B, just the letter B. B, berry breeding. Very cool. Yeah, we also have a webpage. Our webpage is resendedlab.com and I'm on Twitter, uh, Marcio Resende Jr. Uh, and we also have a Facebook page, which is Sweet Corn Breeding Program at UF. Okay, and I'll have all this information on this particular episode. Thank you so much for uh, filling us in on what's happening in terms of the next generation of plant breeders. And as always, thank you for listening to the Talking Biotech Podcast. 
Make sure you follow us online um, in Facebook or Twitter. Wait a minute, we don't have a Facebook page. We need to get one. Um, follow us on Twitter. And if you have any questions or suggestions, email them to me directly. Um, KevinFold at gmail.com is fine. And uh, we'll get back to you as soon as possible. Like This episode, which was recommended by quite a few listeners. So thank you very much for listening, and we'll talk to you again next week. Thank you for listening to the Talking Biotech Podcast. Send your suggestions for guests, comments, or questions to TalkingBiotech at gmail.com. Please write a review of this podcast on iTunes and recommend it to a friend. More downloads help us reach a wider audience with science. You've been listening to Talking Biotech, sponsored by Calabra, the platform that bridges the gap between siloed research tools. With Calabra's electronic lab notebook, scientists can work together in real time, sharing data and insights with ease. Revolutionize your research collaboration. Sign up for a demo today at calabra.app, C-O-L-A-B-R-A dot A-P-P.